0: Good day to you, brothers, sisters, friends, and new faces, and welcome to Current Events and Christian Expectations. And today on this podcast, we're going to talk about who's in charge. We'll lead off with 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 17. We'll have many other scriptures that we reference and read today, and as usual, we'll put those in the overview. But with the idea of who's in charge, let's just dig right in.
1: Here are some funny words that sum up our situation. It's a jungle out there. Disorder and confusion everywhere. No one seems to care. Well, I do. Hey, who's in charge here? It's a jungle out there. People think I'm crazy because I worry all the time. If you paid attention, you'd be worried too. You better pay attention or this world we love so much just might kill you. I could be wrong now, but I don't think so because there's a jungle out there. It's a jungle out there. That's Randy Newman's lyrics to the sitcom *Monk*, one of my favorite <laughs> sitcoms of the past uh, 20 I years. I
0: recognize that, <laughs> uh,
1: and I'm already a Randy Newman fan anyway.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and but it it uh, sums up really, if you look at it on a serious side, the mess we're in right now. Who's in charge here? Listen to Randy. One Timothy one
0: seventeen. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Who's in charge here?
1: The ageless one of the ages, the immortal one. God creates ages of all kinds to bring his promises and ways to pass over the great scope of history. And now, please indulge me a little bit here. We have to do some necessary word study. In the ESV, to the king of the ages, that's the word translated. Now, in the Greek, and again, I'm not a scholar, but I do know the word study here. It's a genitive masculine plural. From uh, Mr. Mounts, Bill Mounts, a recognized scholar of the Greek New Testament, he defines the Greek word here as a period of time of significant character, a life, an era, an age. And it can be used as a gloss, like, that is to say, different imaginative ways of using it, it can be used for the word forever. You'll notice that that passage from Timothy ends with, uh, to the only God be honor and glory forever and ever. However, <laughs> the word forever is not in the Greek. Uh, it's hard to find one. There is a word that means eternal. Believe it or not, it's only found twice in the Greek New Testament. Uh, the word is adios. It's found in Romans 1.20, where it describes God's character and existence. And in Jude 6, where we're told that the angels who left their first estate and sinned uh, are held in eternal chains until the day of judgment. So if the ESV can translate the word ages as to the king of ages, why does it all of a sudden flip and say forever and ever when it's the same exact word in the Greek again? For example, it's ion. It's ion when he says to the king of ages, and it's ion when in our English translations it says to God be the glory forever and ever, because the word ion there is accusative masculine plural, and then goes to the genitive masculine plural. In other words, the Greek really says to God be the glory to the ages of ages. Now, if you have a literal translation like Young's little translation, Young's literal translation, I would suggest if you're a serious Bible student to use it, because. Um, so often, uh, the Greek people who translate this, and uh, all of our translations seem to follow. If you read the NIV, uh, they say the same thing to ever, forever. and In fact, they'll translate the word ages up here, uh, again, by the king uh, eternal or something of, of that sort. Um, the reason why is because it's assumed, well, that must mean eternity. My point in this podcast is to say, no, let's stick with the ages, because that tells us much more about God and his sovereignty over history than just to say, well, God's eternal, and uh, to him be the glory forever. No, it says, to him be the glory unto, accusative, the ages. Plural. Plural, uh, genitive, possessive. To God be the glory to the ages of the ages, and to say forever clouds the truth of God works through the times that he created for planet Earth's history to reach its final goal and each age has its own glory to give to God different from the
0: earlier age and not as glorious as the age to come can you give us an example of a different age
1: yes and we're going to have some from Daniel shortly but historians always speak in terms of ages the industrial age oh
0: yeah
1: yeah the bronze age yeah the stone age gotcha um the age of gods and goddesses
0: Mm.
1: um And then they even talk about decades, the Roaring Twenties. You know that that's a a epoch by itself. Uh, It's interesting because the word "ion" for age in the Greek is where we get our English word "eon," which means an age Mm. or a period of time that has a beginning and has an end. And I think we learn much more about God if we stick with the little translation. The word "ages," as you will see here in the following scripture references and commentary, we have. So, uh, how does this work out in Scripture? Uh, we're going to look at Daniel chapter two in just a second. What is going on here is Nebuchadnezzar has had a dream, and it's a dream that's greatly disturbed him. He calls in all of his magicians and sorcerers and necromancers and the Chaldeans and people who can do all the astrologers, and he tells them, "I want you to interpret this dream, but first you got to tell me what the dream is, because then when you give your interpretation, I can be sure that it's the correct interpretation." Yeah, and they all say, "Well, king." In all of history, it's never been heard that we have to tell you what the dream is. You know, you've know, got to tell us the dream and we interpret it. It doesn't work the other way. Only the gods know what that is and they don't come down here and talk with men.
0: Yeah.
1: And Nebuchadnezzar says, no, I'm going to burn you in the fire, level your houses, <laughs> uh, because and it's over. He's going to kill all the astrologers and soothsayers, magicians, and etc. in uh, Babylon. Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, of course, uh, are in that group now. They've been trained They've not been paganized, as you see if you read through the book of Daniel, you get that. But um, Daniel realizes that uh, their lives are at stake, so he prays to God for the answer, to get what the dream was and what the interpretation is, and God gives it to him. And this is where we pick up in Daniel 2, 19 through 21.
0: Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding.
1: Exactly. He gives wise wisdom and knowledge to those who have understanding. Meaning, first thing to understand, if you're going to be wise, is God changes times. He creates ages and... Goes through an age, is finished with it, and creates a new one. He changes times and seasons, and he removes kings and sets up kings. And those two things, changing an age and changing the government, uh, normally go together in the course of God's providence.
0: He's not an aloof God. He's, he's not an aloof. involved
1: God. Oh, he's very involved in the very essence of time that we're familiar with here on planet Earth. Yeah. So we've got the Ukraine war; been going on forever, it seems like. <laughs> Israel and Hamas are now in a war. Anti-Semitism has broken out all over the place. And by the way, we did a a podcast on anti-Semitism. We did. Back in January of this year. Yep. If check it out. Check it out. I think it's called the Funny You Don't Look Jewish. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, Gentiles became Jews, spiritual Jews. Okay. Uh, the corruption in the presidency. And his son now, as most of you know, problems he's got. Congress is just... In a mess, the media continues to be someplace you can't go to trust anything. The world of education is being taken over by people who want to uh, end up with 25,000 genders. So who's in charge? Well, not Nebuchadnezzar, the ruler at this time. For Daniel says a little later about Nebuchadnezzar's soon to come humbling before God these words: Daniel 4:17 and 32.
0: The sentence is by the decree of the watchers, the decision by the word of the holy ones, to the end that the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men, and gives it to whom he will, and sets over it the lowliest of men. And you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox." And seven periods of time shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will.
1: Yes, he rules in the kingdom of the men and gives it to whom he will. And whom he will is the lowliness of people, people who humble themselves. And of course, this has direct effect on the truth of Jesus who humbled himself in the form of a servant even to the cross and therefore he has been exalted to the position of ruling over the universe.
0: And Nebuchadnezzar ate some grass like an ox.
1: He ate grass like an ox because he was filled with pride and made it known and he was struck down. Mm -hmm. And Daniel says you're going to do that eating of grass until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whoever he wants. Later, Nebuchadnezzar does indeed come to his senses to know this. When he says of the Lord God... In Daniel
0: 4.35, All the inhabitants of the earth are counted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say to him, What have you done?
1: None can stay his hand or say to him, What have you done? Nebuchadnezzar learned a great lesson. He became wise and understanding Mm -hmm. that God rules. In these verses, note these truths. God changes times and seasons. That's what Daniel says. And he removes kings as well as setting them up. He changes governments. No matter what happens, God is our fortress, not man, not the world. And him alone we trust. Listen to this. Talk about who's in charge here and things seem to be falling apart. Psalm 46, verses 1 through 3, and then 6 and 7.
0: God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress.
1: Right. Who's in charge here? The Lord God. The nations rage and the kingdoms totter. But we will not fear. We trust in God. He's in charge. We can approach the sovereignty of God from various directions. And in this podcast, we want to see God as the God who makes the ages and then changes them, which so often correspond with his changing of governments. Let's look at two passages that clearly affirm that truth. In Acts 17, Paul is preaching before the uh, superior intellectuals at Athens. They make up the licensing committee. He's been brought before them, so he may be vetted to see if he's speaking something they can allow in Athens. Mm-hmm. And so he picks up on an idol they have to an unknown God and decides to use that as a basis for launching out to preach about the only God who is. So listen to what he says in the midst of this sermon, Acts 17:26 and 27.
0: And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, yet he is actually not far from each one of us.
1: Right. God makes every nation the nation they are. He determines the period of time, the chronology, as well as the geography of where they will be, the boundaries of their dwelling place, and the whole point of that is to seek God. So he tells these prideful Greeks that God God alone decides the period, the length of a nation's reign, as well as where that nation will be found on earth, the extent of its power and reign. Greek culture did not make Greek culture. God did it for his own purpose, that we should seek him, the God of the ages who decides when and where nations should rise and fall. So we have the Grecian age. Randy asked earlier about um uh, ages and then that's followed by the roman age mm-hmm. and uh, we shall see a little bit more of that with uh, the dream later um, that uh, nebuchadnezzar had so this matter of the lord god deciding the government of a different of a given nation as well as its duration and deciding the age in which it will exist actually begins as so often as we've seen in these podcasts with creation here is genesis 1 27 28 and
0: 31 So God created man in his image, in the image of God he created him, male and female he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day.
1: In this passage, Adam and Eve, the king and queen of creation, are the duly established government, and they are given rule and dominion over all the earth, and of course, as children would be born, they would come under the authority of those two people, those parents who are king and queen of earth, and the end result of this is that God saw everything was very good. We have a new government, a new age, the first age of humanity, which is called paradise, and there will be many ages to follow. Romans 16, 25.
0: Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages.
1: The mystery that was kept secret for long ages. And this mystery kept secret for long ages uh, is picked up in 1 Corinthians 2,
0: 7. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages of our glory before the ages of our glory. You'll see it again in Ephesians 3.9. And to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things.
1: What's the plan? It's been rolling
0: out through the ages but kept secret. Colossians 1.26. The mystery hidden for ages and generations but now revealed to his saints.
1: Now revealed but it's kept a secret
0: for ages. 2 Timothy 1.9. Who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began.
1: You see the the whole pattern of truth here, before the ages began. Titus 1, 2.
0: In hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began.
1: So we have gone through many ages. Paul says... These many ages, and all the ages after paradise have been fallen ones, that preceded the gospel age, and during those ages long past, the gospel was a mystery to humanity. And now we're in the gospel age, which, let us remind everyone, is also called an evil age, Galatians 1-4,
0: who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father.
1: The Jews of Jesus' day believed the evil age would end when the Messiah came. But the secret is that the Messiah came into an evil age to finally deliver us from it. If you have time later, you can look at Matthew 13 and those parables. And they all deal with Jesus saying unto others, it was not given to them to understand this. But the secret, the mystery has been revealed to you. To you, yeah. Yeah. This is how it's going to work out. So all of those earlier ages, they were all preparing earth for the next age, the kingdom to come. Now listen carefully to how Paul then sums this up in 1 Corinthians 10:11. The background is Israel has sinned. Paul is reviewing the sins of Israel, their history of sin and trying to say this is a bad example that you can learn from, you know, don't do this, don't displease God. And so in 1 Corinthians 10:11, he says this.
0: Now these things happened to them as an example But they were written down for our instruction, on whom the end of the ages has come.
1: On whom, that's us, the Christian people of this evil age, on whom the end of the ages has come. In other words, a whole group of ages can be summed up in one category, Hmm. and they have come to a grand conclusion in the gospel age of Jesus, on whom the end of the ages has come. Author of Hebrews says the same thing. Listen to this from Hebrews
0: 9.26. For then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself.
1: He's appeared once for all at the end of the ages. The ages have been since paradise been rolling down toward this final age, which is the conclusion of all previous ages, but will start a new age when Jesus returns. Mm -hmm. So all earlier ages rolling down through time, were made to move to their end, their goal, in this final age of the gospel. Or some people call it the church age. Every age was marked by its own kind of culture and government. The age of innocence, which is paradise to the fall. The antediluvian age, which means the age that existed before the flood and after the fall. Uh, The post-diluvian world, which means after the flood, through the Tower of Babel and the dispersion of all the nations to their various places, lands and continents then the age of the patriarchs when abraham got called out uh, from ur chaldees and then the age of israel when god's people having been in the land of egypt for over 400 years were brought through the red sea which paul calls a baptism meaning a new time and submitting to a new government the land the law and the temple
0: ages are not a short period of
1: time ages are not a short period of time they go on for a long time yeah Right. And Almost we,
0: for ages and ages. Sorry.
1: That's right. Yeah, that's absolutely <laughs> the Messianic Age, of course, Jesus' first coming to his second coming. And then the kingdom age, where the government will be holy Jesus, as in the prayer, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, as it is in heaven. These ages, all of them, were created and called forth by God, and whatever governments came to pass were instituted by God, as Paul says in Romans thirteen, the governments that exist. Or ordained of God for law and order purposes. God changes the times and seasons and changes, therefore, also the time, the kings, and the governments. And this truth will come to a grand climax at the end of this evil age, the age that ends all the previous ages to start a new age. Listen to Revelation 11, verse 15.
0: Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever.
1: He shall reign forever and ever. Or if you look at Young's literal translation to the ages of the ages. In other words, one group of ages is past, mm-hmm. says Paul, because this is, all the ages roll down to this being the end of the previous ages. When Jesus comes down, new ages begin. And we'll see again another quote from Paul that verifies that. God ends the kingdoms of this world and begins the reign of Christ and his return on earth. We go from this evil age, and it's God, which is Satan, to the world and the age of the kingdom come. Currently, Christ reigns over all authorities, though they do not recognize him, and they are in rebellion. Nevertheless, he is the ruler, and they're in rebellion. So how does that work out? First, let's establish the fact that Jesus currently in heaven at the throne of God is the ruler of everything on earth. Revelation 1, verses 4 and 5.
0: John to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of kings on earth.
1: And the ruler of kings on earth. Of course, they're in rebellion. This is made clear by a psalm. It's Psalm 2, second psalm in the book of Psalms, which is a prophecy of this very thing that the nations will be in rebellion against God's anointed, meaning the Christ who turns out to be Jesus of Nazareth, but that he will one day put them down uh, with his scepter, his rod of arm. So listen to Psalm 2, verses 1,
0: 2, and 3. Why do the nations rage, and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together, against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart, and cast away their cords from us.
1: Uh, That's the picture of the nations, from the Old Testament, through the New Testament, and onward into the return of Jesus. Their subjugation to the Son is made clear three verses later, When the father says to the son, and originally this was David, of course, David's Psalm, but it's fulfilled by David's greater descendant, Jesus, son of David, as he's referred to in the Gospels, verses eight
0: and nine. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel.
1: So this was not fulfilled by David and it's going to be fulfilled by jesus and of course there are quotes in revelation from this song a line from the star trek movie comes to mind when i read that last one you'll break them with a rod of iron and then they'll be dashed in pieces resistance is is futile futile. (laughs) the borg yeah resistance is futile so when god changes dramatically the form of an existing government or governments it signals the change of an age as well and it's interesting i first noticed this when john kennedy ran for president and I wasn't uh, involved in Bible studies then at all, but it was just curious that uh, here comes a new president and it's a new time to start, so he had what he called, this is gonna be the new frontier. Change of government, we're in a new era, the new frontier. Then Johnson followed him, of course, after Kennedy was assassinated, and new government, and his was called the Great Society. Um, When I studied history and taught it, I found out that that that's typical. You go back to Warren Harding, who was the president, and his deal of a new era was a return to normalcy. Mm. We want to go back the way things was. Yeah. And Mr. Trump does the same thing, except he does it this way, make America great again. Yeah. It's as if they knew because we're all made in the image of God that when a new government is instituted, you've got to say this is a new start. This is a new beginning for us.
0: That's so much better than Tippecanoe and Tyler, Tyler too.
1: <laughs> yes. We remember how that didn't work out too well for Henry, Henry Harrison. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So the apostles knew this truth well. For we find Peter asking the resurrected Christ the following question, 40 days uh, after 40 days of having been instructed about the King of God. So listen to verse 3 and verse 6.
0: He presented himself alive to them after his sufferings by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel?
1: Uh, Peter wants to know two things. Is this the time for Israel to be given the kingdom of God? The timing and the change of government, Israel rule, not Rome, go together. There's going to be a change. It's going to be a new age and a new government. Israel will finally be on top. Listen to Jesus' response in verse 7.
0: He said to them, It's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority.
1: Right. The times refers to uh, the Greek word chronos, which means what we understand by time, clock time, calendar time. Mm. Uh, The other word, seasons, is a Greek word, kairos, which means those period of times that are characterized by certain identifiable people and events. Or as uh, Bill Mounts, our Greek dude, says, um, uh, an age is a period of time that is marked by certain characteristics. Mm. And when that comes to an end, you get a new age, new government course, and new characteristics. So, for example, in Daniel 2, going back to our opening of the podcast, when Daniel uh, talks to Nebuchadnezzar about this dream, he says, What you saw, king, was a great statue, and the head was gold, and the uh, body, the, uh, the arms were silver, the stomach or so was uh, bronze, and then you had iron, ending up with tin toes and clay. And most commentators, and I've studied, it, I agree with them, gold head is Nebuchadnezzar, and then the chest, that silver is Amida Persia, because it's two, two uh, entities taking over working as one, uh, the Bronze Age, the stomach, Alexander the Great, the time of the Greeks because he had an army that's re- literally traveled on a stomach, going across the whole known world at the time, ending of course with the iron and clay which everyone recognizes as the Roman government. So you have those ages in and this is what? This is how God has arranged things. And you'll notice there's a decline, you go from gold to silver to bronze to iron and clay at the same time there's an increase in the power exerted because rome exerted more power than anybody and lasted longer Mm. well jesus says we've got to wait for those things the times and seasons to be revealed at the second coming Uh, but for right now the time is to bear witness to the gospel all over the earth and the season of calling those who believe to the service of the lord well israel's participation in the kingdom is answered in another place in matthew 19 28 where peter is talking to uh, Jesus and saying, you know, we've left everything. Uh, what will be for us? What are we going to get in the coming kingdom? Good old Peter. I like his honesty. Mm-hmm. Matthew 19:28, We hear this from Jesus.
0: Jesus said to them, truly I say to you in the new world, when the son of man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel.
1: Now that's interesting. And it'll be interesting to see how that's fulfilled. But clearly he's telling them, There's a new world coming, Mm -hmm. and the Son of Man will sit on His throne. Change of government. Mm -hmm. New age, new government, new ruler. There'll be a change of government, as we saw in Revelation 11, when Jesus returns to earth. Another place where this shows up is Acts 3, 17 through 21, second sermon preached in the book of Acts, second sermon by Peter, and he's telling the Jews there about the plan of God in this age and in the age to come and how that works out. Acts 17 through
0: 21. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, Jesus whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago.
1: Yes, he tells them to turn back to God so your sins may be blotted out. That's conversion. Uh, That the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Notice times, meaning even in this evil age, there can be times of refreshing, Mm -hmm. revivals, spiritual uh, experiences happening that bless people and renew them and all of that. And then, after all that, he will send the Christ appointed to you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time, the next age, of restoring all things, going back to paradise, Mm -hmm. uh, about which God spoke by the mouth of the holy prophets. So that time will be done and taken care of at the time of Jesus' return, the change of government at the restoration of all things. So God changes kings and leaders according to his will, is made clear in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Here's another psalm just to drive this home. God's in charge. Psalm 71:75, verses one through seven.
0: We give thanks to you, O God. We give thanks for your name is near. We recount your wondrous deeds. At the set time that I appoint, I will judge with equity. When the earth totters and all its inhabitants, it is I who keep steady its pillars. I say to the boastful, do not boast. And to the wicked, do not lift up your horn. Do not lift up your horn on high, or speak with haughty neck. For not from the east or from the west, and not from the wilderness comes lifting up. But is God who executes judgment, putting down one and lifting up another.
1: Putting down one, that's a government of king, and lifting up another. And belief in such a sovereign God is a consolation to Mary, the mother of Jesus. She takes this truth of God being charged to heart and is blessed by it luke 1 verses 50 through 52
0: and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation he has shown strength with his arm he has scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts he has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate
1: there you see the truth that mary has she's been exalted in a sense way above even rulers because she's going to be the mother of the messiah whom uh, the angel tells her, of course, there be you no know, end to his government. He's going to rule. Uh, he's going to be the person who is king over planet Earth. So God decides when the mighty come down from the thrones and he decides who the humble are that will be exalted in their place to be fulfilled in the age and the world to come. And that's why we who are Christians, we need to realize we are saved to serve, to be humble, but resurrected to reign. And that brings us to this time of the year we call Christmas, which is all about the changing of the times and of the government that we are supposed to submit to. Let's begin with the Grand Prophecy, Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7.
0: For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end, on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this.
1: Yes, from this time forth and forevermore, or as Young's literal translation says, unto the age. Hmm. That's the Messianic age of visibility, when faith becomes sight and Jesus returns and rules the world. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this, power of the Spirit. The government according to Isaiah here, and we believe it, is that of the child born and the son who is given. He's given in birth. He's given to us in death. He's given to us in resurrection, ascension, and of course enthronement in heaven and is currently ruling. And uh, this is the age of the gospel which will blend into the ages to come. We need to understand that because we've already learned that all previous ages led to this one when this is the climax of those previous ages and the next one leads on to other ages or as It says, as I understand it, you know, to God be the glory to the ages of the ages. So listen to these words now from Ephesians 2, 4 through 7.
0: But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus.
1: Unto the ages of the ages, there are ages past, each one trying on their own and did it, the faithful ones, glory to God. And the ages yet to come, unto the ages of the ages. Verse 7, so that in the coming ages, we got ages to come. And I've tried to teach this through the years because people think that, well, we're going to be eternal And I don't know what they've got in their mind there, but we're never going to be eternal in the sense which God is. And we're not going to experience eternity, but we will experience God's eternity in the ages as they roll by. Different thing. So, and those ages will be about showing us the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So, it will take ages and ages for us to be realizing the great truths and graces of God given to us in Christ, our true king and government, who is now preparing... Uh, this age for the age to come. And here, has, here is how Paul says it in a Christmas passage uh, Galatians 4 1 through 6.
0: I mean that the heir, as long as the, he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father.
1: Yes, that phrase. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son. When the fullness of time had come, the end of the ages, mm. God sent forth His Son to give us His Spirit, deliver us from sin's slavery into the freedom of His kingdom, and God had a time and a kingdom to call us into, and it came with Jesus. The conclusion of this time leading to the next glorious one will come when the kingdom of the world, as we saw in Revelation 11, becomes the kingdom of the Lord and of His Christ. The fullness of time is clearly narrated by Luke in his gospel account of the story of the birth of Jesus. Listen how, now, uh, this story begins, keeping in mind that God's in charge, and when the right time comes, everything changes, and we are brought to worship the king who comes with a new
0: age for planet earth with a new king. Luke 2, 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered.
1: Caesar's decree is subject to God's decree for God had brought to pass the Roman Empire as well as the emperor of it. The culture, indeed, the empire for this very night of Jesus' birth, all the roads that were gonna be used to travel, which were superior at that time, to spread the gospel, uh, (coughs) to be aided by the Greek language, perfect language with its technicalities and its qualities and nuances to uh, understand the gospel of God and the uh, this was brought about by Alexander, who made Greek, the, the, in a manner of speaking, the language of the world. Um, in fact, I read a book once where Alexander was the pre-evangelist of, of everything because he brought forth the language that would be used. And then Rome was the one who brought forth the traveling to spread the language, which was the gospel language in Greek. And we could even talk about the earlier kingdoms like Persia, which had the greatest mail delivery system ever in the ancient world, and even Babylon and how they knew to present a... Um, an empire that looked like paradise. So there's always something in each age that contributes down to the conclusion of the ages, which we're in, which all those previous ages led to this, for the gospel to get around the world. So a new age with Christmas, and a new king have dawned with glory, signaled by a star. Matthew uh, Matthew 2, verses one and two and 10 and 11.
0: Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, In the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh.
1: Right. They uh, they saw his star when it rose and they came to worship him. The star signaled a new loyalty, a change of government for a new age on earth spreading way beyond Israel. And so they fell down and worshiped him. A change of the times and government for the wise men have left their place for the time is now signaled by heaven itself with a star. Well, now let's see how that comes to pass with a scripture from the Old Testament, Numbers 24, And the background for this is Balak has wanted the so-called prophet Balaam to preach a curse against Israel. Balaam can't do it because every time he opens his mouth, he ends up blessing. (laughs) So, uh, in fact, Numbers 23, verse 5, says that God put a message in Balaam's mouth and said, preach what I say. And as he tells Balak later, "I, I I couldn't do it. I just had to preach what he gave me. I couldn't do what you wanted. It couldn't happen. Listen to this. Out of the mouth of a prophet from a Gentile land. Numbers 24, verses 16 through 17.
0: The oracle of him who hears the words of God and knows the knowledge of the Most High, who sees the vision of the Almighty falling down with his eyes uncovered. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob and a scepter shall rise out of Israel.
1: Yes, I see him, but not now. In other words, the timing is not for now, not in this age, but the coming age. For a future age and at the same time there'll be a change of government because he says at the same time a scepter the symbol for government and ruling shall rise out of israel a scepter over all. listen to this from psalms 45 verses 6 and 7
0: your throne O god is forever and ever the scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of uprightness you have loved righteousness and hated wickedness therefore god your god has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions
1: Yes, this verse is cited uh, in Hebrews chapter 1 as the fulfillment of the reign of Jesus. In fact, Hebrews starts affirming the time and the change of government and the ascension of Jesus to the throne of heaven. Listen to Hebrews 1, verses 1 through 3.
0: Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he anointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high.
1: Long ago and many times, there's the ages past, and in many ways, each age had its own way, its own government, how God spoke to people, how God worked with people. And then notice also, and practically all the translations do this, except Young's literal translation, which I think he got it right. It says, through whom also he created the world. Well, there's no doubt he created the world. But you need to know that the word there is ion. Genitive, masculine, plural. Mm. Uh, as Young's literal translation says, through whom also he created the ages. And if you read through Hebrews, he deals with those ages, when it used to be priests and Uh, They did this, but now they don't do this because of Jesus and all of that. So the time is this present evil age, also known, as Hebrews says, as the last days, the time between the first and second coming of Jesus. But there's been a change of government for our sins have been purified. He now reigns at the right hand of God, and so we owe him our loyalty, and we need to obey his law. So who's in charge? The Lord, who changes the times and the ages of the earth. Who created every age that humanity has passed through in order that the world may know that he's the creator Lord? The Lord. Who changes governments and rulers so that we will see that the only government to be loyal to is the Lord's and the time is now? So, why vote? It's always good to be a responsible citizen, but we are always citizens of heaven first, and our understanding of that citizenship prioritizes everything else. So listen now to our new government and the present age in which we live, the gospel age, Philippians 3, 20 and 21.
0: But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself.
1: What government can do that? We know the final vote is the Lord's and it will be the only vote that counts. It is his vote that will change the times and seasons and set up whoever and whatever he will until that day when the kingdoms of the world become the kingdom of the Lord and of his Christ. To live for that age and to live for that government is the Christian expectation.
0: Well, thanks Jim. You've given us a lot to think about and I'm sure there might be questions or comments about it to that end. Please send us your questions or comment uh, via email uh, to events and expectations at gmail.com. That's all one word, events and expectations at gmail.com. Or post your questions in our comments on the podcast. This has been Current Events and Christian es- Expectations. And until next time, keep looking up.